Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Osiris. The time has come for you to be the guest on Comes a Time. Wednesday, November 17th, 9 p.m., exclusively on Moment House. Join us for the inaugural Comes a Time Crystal Ball from the Wizard's Castle. Mike and Otil will be consulting my crystal ball that will be filled with your questions, your stories, and your pretty faces. What will the questions be? Well, that depends on you. Head on over to MomentHouse.com for details. Hey, Mike, I can't see clearly. Is that a lightning bolt on your shirt? You're damn right it is, Otil. This is Section 119. Hey guys, we just got our hands on some great new gear from an officially licensed partner of the Grateful Dead, Section 119. Oh yeah, Section 119. They sent me a pair of board shorts. They're actually really cool. I actually uh, wore them on stage and uh, they were really comfortable. You know, I live in board shorts in Florida, so that's kind of my jam. And uh, these have a cool print on them. Bertha's on there and the roses and stuff. I really like them. I got one of the performance polos with the Grateful Dead bolt embroidered in the chest. It's super stretchy, and I love the way it feels when I'm on stage wearing it. I feel like I'm representing the dead and rocking out some jokes in style. Section 119 was started by a couple of fans who wanted more than a lot tee to show their appreciation for the Grateful Dead. They started an apparel line that has everything you can imagine to represent the band at every occasion. And not just the dead, they've got some amazing fish duds as well. From button downs with dancing bears all over it, to board shorts with super vibrant prints and donuts all over your shirts and socks, they've got something for every fan for any occasion. If you're looking for more than a t-shirt to celebrate the Grateful Dead, the folks at Section 119 make the highest quality apparel. Boogie on over to Section119.com and use code COMESATIME. That's all one word, comes a time, for 15% off your next purchase. Hey, this is Oteal. If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. Is that Jerry I see over your right shoulder, dude? Yeah, it is, brother. That's St. Jerry. I got that in my recent package from Garcia Handpicked, our sponsor. Award-winning cannabis, mind you, I just found out. Congratulations, Garcia Handpicked. And you know what, man? There's quality in the packaging as well as in the bowl. (laughs) You've got these incredible packages of pre-rolls. Check this out, right? Beautiful style. If you want to strike matches that they provide for you, you've got your striking spot right there. A little sommelier style for our ears. 
you get a list of songs that goes with your strain. It's so neat. The packages come pre-rolled with Jerry's hand. Everything is stamped with his approval. This is my favorite. Check this out. A little joint holder with his hand on it. Got to catch those roaches so they don't burn you up. It's like Jerry's always saying hi to us. And uh, if you guys want to find out if Garcia Handpicked is available in your area, go to GarciaHandpicked.com. They also have tons of phenomenal merch, um, a whole bunch of great pictures. Like, I think never before seen stuff, too, of Jerry. It's really beautiful. So if you're a fan of the cannabis or a fan of the man uh go to GarciaHandpicked.com. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. That's O'Teal. And that's Mike. We this had is a, nice, a good one. Yeah, we had fun. This was, uh, I'm glad that we got to have this Dr. Will Sue is uh, joining us today on the podcast. Currently, he's a Los Angeles based psychiatrist, psychotherapist, psychedelic integration um, practitioner. Incredible backstory. Um, and I, I met him in New York and he was on an old episode of my old podcast and we were talking about, you know, microdosing and psychedelics and stuff like that. But this one took a very important and interesting turn. Yeah. I, and his story, like to come, he raised Jehovah's Witness and then he got more degrees, like God, from Harvard and where do you say Cambridge and yeah. just everywhere. He just got so many degrees and he was so straight laced and had never tried psychedelics in all of that time. And the whole story about how he came to that was amazing in itself. So you should really check that out, fans mm -hmm. out there. But also, I thought it was really cool when you asked him, like, how many, you know, what percentage of your patients actually end up doing psychedelics with you? And he was like, probably only about 10%. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Uh, that's really cool, man. His, it's really about the work, you know? Yeah, that's the thing I think that I think is really neat about him is that, like, he is helping people deal with the stuff that he dealt with, where it was like you're constantly chasing happiness, you're chasing contentment, you're chasing the connection, and he kept not feeling it. And then he's like, either they're right or I'm right. And that's so we all hit those points where it's like, do I look back? Do I go forward? You run right towards that fear. And uh, this lined up perfectly with, you know, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about lately. So I'm really happy that uh, he was able to join us. And I'm glad you're able to check it out, folks. Um, and also, it's kind of nice to get like a different take on, you know, we've been talking about psychedelics quite a bit on the podcast. So it's cool to have a different perspective from someone who deals with it on the day to day basis, you know? So yeah, he was really cool about calling bullshit on a lot of you know <laughs> yeah. shamans and stuff down there yeah I the retreats he's yeah. like hey man do your there, research shenanigans there. yeah <laughs> it, it, it was funny he's like because i speak spanish and i learned some <laughs> you know just in hanging out with people right. like oh so he pulled yeah. that a couple of weeks ago huh all right <laughs> yeah and and we're we're never giving medical advice. We just love talking well, to interesting people and and bringing different perspectives to uh, all of you. So we're not doctors. Don't follow our advice. Um, but thank you, Doctor Will Sue, for joining, and thank you guys for listening here on Osiris Network, home to so many incredible podcasts. Go to OsirisPod.com. 
um, Otiel and I uh, and Eric, the wizard, uh, always have extra episodes over at Patreon. You get an extra episode a week. You get a bunch of good. I mean, Eric said he's posting a, something every day. The wizard, I mean, it's man. worth it. Hey, you know what? If I wasn't on this podcast, I might subscribe just to see what the hell he's posting. But patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod. Join us over there. Get your bus pass. There's plenty of seats available on the bus. Um, Otiel, you're out on tour right now. And uh, yes, you good. You tired? I am good. These <laughs> podcasts help. Yeah, it's a real challenge. And we talked about that in this podcast with Will C, like making the everyday sacred or finding the sacred in the everyday. So yeah. instead of being out here and just being bored and poor me and looking for harder and harder drugs and more booze, you know, I'm doing the exact opposite. So yeah, I guess I'm doing good. <laughs> well, thank you for everything that you're doing. We're enjoying listening and uh, check out. Thank you that, too, man. Thank, thank you for uh, everything that you guys are doing. Tell the guys that, that we say us fans say great job. And uh stay uh safe everybody out there and uh we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, we had the chance I I think I had seen you on maybe a post. It was a social media thing. I think I had found you cuz I was looking for information oh, about That's right therapy in the new york area uh-huh and uh found you and then i was like hey you should come on our podcast and we <laughs> came to the studio and we chatted and then before we had the chance to work together you went and moved out west like a real jerk but uh no how is it out there are you happy are you settled it's interesting like probably in the last week overall yes happy it was honestly a a pretty chill place, I think, compared to Manhattan to live during quarantine. Um, I moved here a month before COVID hit, but I've all but decided in the last week I'm moving back to New York um, <laughs> in, uh, in the spring. Nice. What's, I'll, let, uh, I'll let the city sort out the situation for a little longer, and then I'll move back when it's nice and, uh, nice and peaceful again. Yeah, don't rush. I think you should take your time, and the spring will probably be perfect. Hopefully, we have a little bit more spring. figured out. So. Um, <laughs> We've been we've been lucky to have so many incredible guests from Rick Doblin yeah. to Jim Fadiman to Paul Stamets and it all all this time I was thinking like I really want to reach back out with you and talk to you because there seem to have been quite a few advances in this space and we always kind of have this mantra of uh O'Teal nailed it perfectly. Um how did we get here and where do we go from here? And I feel like we're all kind of going through that together and on our own. So wanted to chat with you kind of about how, how things are going in this space from your perspective <laughs> and, and, you know, advances and all of that and just see what's cooking. Yeah. I, um, I think it's, it's funny. Cause like the, first, I mean, I, there's no doubt. I disagree that there has been some advances since we spoke. I think that was probably, I don't know, 2018 or 2019, something like that. Um, but I'm trying to think of the antithesis of advances because there's also been setbacks doesn't seem like the right word, but there's definitely been some shit going down, <laughs> like especially when it comes down to like, you know, companies going IPO, big money coming in from pharma and from from yeah. uh, from, uh, you know, marijuana that I would not 
but under the category of advances. So, um, <laughs> very yeah. true. Ma many things have happened. So, <laughs> well, it's yin and yang. You know, you got to take, like, yeah, mushrooms is legal and a couple of places now but then on the other side of the coin you got to deal with the big corporate monster evil shit getting in on it you know yeah and for me it's like that's that's the part where it's i don't know but it's also it's not getting boring because certainly i mean if we had hit a utopia in the next you know year or two it probably you know it would get a little boring so definitely having some roadblocks and unforeseen circumstances but overall the way i've sort of summarized it for myself is that for the most part, un what I would say is unfortunately that most people have taken the structures that they were already playing within. We could say the structures of, of, um, of science and medicine or the structures of um, capitalism, you know, social justice or the or religion. And we're seeing them plopped right into psychedelics or again, or big business and psychedelics. So it's not to me like we've, it's not like things have gone south. It's just like, I, you know, a lot of us that had been in this field for a long time, there was something that resembled a community, a psychedelic community at some point, everyone kind of knew each other. And in the last year and a half, shit just hit the fan. It's like, everyone is now like CEO of this and companies going public and patents and it's just like what the hell happened <laughs> like, <laughs> what happened and so my initial reaction was just like oh get these people out of here we've got to do it right and there is such a thing as right right i was playing with that in my own head as opposed to you know what okay like this is the community like you know the other communities are coming in i don't think most people are like trying to do something harmful or carry in their old baggage it's just they don't see it. And so I think it's kind of interesting because it's, I feel like now psychedelics are percolating into culture in general, not just medicine and therapy. And I think, yeah, then it's going to, you know, do its magic and we've still got to do our part as people in it. So that's kind of the way I've thought about it. Well, and maybe it's getting them closer to dosing because that will change it. You know, like whatever you're bringing into it, if you're just trying to be a capitalist about it and or even a vampire capitalist to, you know, put more of a point on it. <clears throat> if you dose a few times, you might change from that, you know? Yeah, actually, yeah I mean, go ahead, Mike. No, 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 go ahead. No, I was gonna say you could change, but how, how in what direction <laughs> one changes, I think that's yeah. where like set setting, who are the friends that we are involved with, who are the facilitators? Because the thing is like, even before the last year really got again, just picked up in pace. Like there was an ayahuasca retreat, which I'll, I'll remain, I'll keep nameless at this point, but they, it was like a, a bunch of, of very wealthy people that had set up a um, ayahuasca retreat out of the country. I think it still exists. And like, you know, they, instead of Icaros, they were playing music. And then at the end of the ceremonies, they were playing like Johnny Cash. And it's like, I, I met a couple of the people that left those retreats and then that they actually, psychedelics i think can actually hone you in on being a better capitalist you know what i mean because if, mm -hmm. if if everyone's opening and having their experience and as they're coming back down or integrating in the days they're speaking their own tune but no one's really there to hold the okay how do we transform or transcend everyone's like hey our bullshit's really good isn't it yeah people are gonna <laughs> and you can deflect towards something that I would say is not so heart centered. 
And I think that's where I have some concern right now is that there is just this, this, you know, this uh, Rick Doblin said it perfectly. He may have said it when you guys talked to him, he said something like, um, on a podcast once that he said, you know, access to psychedelics is outpacing the science. Yeah. I would, I would add to that, that <laughs> access to psychedelics is outpacing knowledge practitioners that know how to use it, community mm -hmm. members that don't know how to use it, and entrepreneurs that don't know really what they're selling. You know, it's just, it's just become almost like another mad rush in some ways compared to the marijuana movement. So, yeah, yeah. it's your intention that you take into it. Because Mike was talking about <clears throat> a guy that he knows that dosed himself Republican. And that really <laughs> taught me, like, wow, it's really your intention that you take into the trip that affects the outcome. Because I thought it would just fix you, but apparently not. <laughs> I mean, that would be great if it did, right? I mean, that would be awesome. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, maybe that's. That was my naive impression before all this happened where I'm like, oh, it's like, great. It's only going towards oneness and love. And it's like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, well, hopefully I, there's an arc. <laughs> well, I kind of think the thing that I've always respected a lot about anytime I ever see anything, Will, that that involves you is that you're it's about the intent and it's about the keeping this, keeping it sacred and not, you know, playing Johnny Cash afterwards and stuff, you know, and. I, I really think that I've been listening to Michael Mead a lot lately. I'm not sure if you're familiar with who he is. He's a storyteller and a podcaster and all of that. And it's like a lot about like origin story, oral tradition, myth, how we can learn from all of that and how sacred that is. Now we're all dealing with 10 tragedies at once flying at us. If you watch the news for a half hour, it's hard to deal with all of that as one person and figure out how do you do it? So when you look back to, ways that other generations dealt with catastrophic events and change and all of that and psychedelics and doing it in the right way in a, you know, ceremonial way can do that. You're kind of saying like, okay, teach me and opening up the door and sitting back quietly and listening instead of treating it like, you know, like a, like, like a psychedelic cocaine where you're kind of like, oh, I'm going to go start the biggest business in the world, you know? Yeah. <laughs> do you think maybe it should be, um, <clears throat> I don't want to say should, but is it useful to, to put it in the lane of more of a sacred tradition so that it's being used properly? For lack I, of a better word? I, I would, the thing is, it's interesting because when you mention the word sacred, it makes me think of like, I've, I've been using the word spiritual quite a bit in the last few years. And for some reason, recently I started thinking it didn't feel good. And I'm like, what do I even mean by spiritual? <laughs> And for yeah. me, what I ended up realizing is like, like now, because the lines have blurred so much to me, like this life experience, my day to day, whether it's working with clients or talking to friends is feels very sacred to me. You know I mean? It literally yeah. feels. And so to me, like one thing about saying, oh, it's, it's a sacred ceremony or it's a, you know, we're going to follow only the indigenous. It, there's something that feels like it's like, oh, it's that. And then there's my everyday life. Or to me, I'm trying to like, mm. how do we bring these two things just yeah. more together? Because to yeah. me, I mean, again, I, I love, I've, I've mostly done ayahuasca with the Peruvian Shipibo tradition. Powerful, powerful. <laughs> and at the same time, because I speak Spanish, right? So most people like go to these retreats, you meet the healers and, you know, you don't talk to them because they're, you know, they have their indigenous language or they have Spanish. But I've had this advantage where I speak Spanish. So I like sit there and I'll chat with them for hours in between on the days off. 
And I started realizing, because everyone's like, oh my God, maestro and, and these people are so sacred and holy, which I, there's beautiful sacredness. Yeah, they are. But, but getting to know them, like one in particular, literally, and I was like getting to know one of the women, there was a female healer and a male healer. I was talking to the female healer and she's like, yeah, yeah, but, and so-and-so, yeah, that's my ex. And he like cheated on me with that other person. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, just people too. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> and I think it is so important for me that I've seen that because I think if we set yeah. some of these, either traditions or whatever to be, oh my God, they had it right. No, they didn't. They still yeah. have a lot of problems in their own communities. They still struggle, but they have some tools that are beautiful that can help me. And I think yeah. for me, I, I would, so that's the thing. I think it's more of a, if there's a way of reminding us of the sacredness of ourselves yes. as yeah. we put psychedelics out in community, that is what I think would be ideal. And I'm up for people developing their own or, or, you know, or, or, or yeah, creating their own or, or finding their own path to their own, what means, what sacredness means to them, you know? And I think that, yeah. And if it's a new Western version of that, then great too, you know? Right. Well, it'll have get, to be in a certain extent to a certain yeah. extent. Right. Yeah. And I guess too, it's like about the intention. Like if you're taking, you know, a handful of something just to stay awake and finish a keg, that's not sacred. <laughs> All right. But if like, if you're going into it and you're going, I want to learn more about me, I want to get to the root cause of whatever anxiety or I want to learn what it can teach me or whatever. Like, I think that's where I guess my working definition of sacred is, you know, yeah. where it's like, oh, what's yeah. the intention of the experience? You know, yeah. I think ultimately a lot of those, you know, <clears throat> the traditions that I tend to study the most, <clears throat> the aim of them is to bring the whole thing into your like full integration into your normal or so there is no unsacred there's no secular part and sacred part like it's just all you know you want to get because i really you know going through <clears throat> this tour we have to quarantine a lot you know <clears throat> so i'm alone a lot in hotel rooms i got four days off and it's really a challenge uh -huh. and i'm like <clears throat> i see why guys did other musicians did so many drugs they're lonely they're bored yeah. it's just like the everyday and it's like okay but this is actual sacred time because you're alive right now mm. and so how can i make this not like how can i flip this and it's been really good for me to try to do what you're talking about well you know just like make the everyday sacred and uh and i'm finding uh well, I'm not using psychedelics to do it at this point <laughs> right now because I don't have any problem. But, um, you know, it's I've, I've been feeling like that's the theme of this whole tour. And I'm, I kind of hope that's what if people do try psychedelics, I'm, I guess that's my hope that it would kind of, you know, lead them down that road. Yeah. And ultimately, it's interesting. I, I caught your, your this phrase, it would lead them down the right road, which ultimately what, what, what my most powerful work with psychedelics has been, and when I work with people with or without psychedelics, it's like, it's how do we empower ourselves and trust ourselves to lead ourselves down that road, ultimately. Yeah. So, and that, because again, every time I have like externalized a guru and said, oh, finally, oh, this is the guy he's going to teach me. Yeah. That's the person. I've been just just shit on every single time, you know, and disappointed once, like literally on a roadside in Peru, having $1,500 stolen from me by this like sh sham shaman who was like having sex with the women at the ayahuasca retreat. 
like with my backpack. And I'm literally sitting there like, now what am I going to go tell my friends when I go back to the States? Do I tell them the truth and be like, look, I built this up over the last couple of months. And like, this is what fucking happened. And like, yeah. you know what I mean? It was just, and it was and to me now I'm, I'm glad for those experiences. Cause I'm like, what was I doing? I kept externalizing yes. the, the power. I kept externalizing the healer. And to me, those were lessons of there. You're not, you're going to find perhaps some beautiful guides. You'll find some teachers, but, they are only going to be like helpers to me in finding my own version of sacredness of, of what I want to be when I'm alive, how I want to show up to the world. And once I was really able to shift that is when, yeah, I just started getting more and more gifts from this work. So. Do you feel when you're um, helping, when, when you're either uh, in a session as a guide or helping someone through integration and all of that, that you need to figure out a way to keep their experience from affecting you in a, in a negative way. Like I think about that a lot. Like my wife is a, works in the hospital with cancer patients and she needs to kind of like have her drive home where she cranks music and does her thing. Like that's her time, you know, like I imagine that when you're in with, um, you know, during a session, you're witnessing some pretty profound experiences that, that people are going through. Like, how do you, then process and handle that. And, and I actually, it's interesting because I, you know, you, I think the phrase you used was, you know, do I want to not let it affect me? I actually, I actually want it to affect me, you know, because like, or, or it's, 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 it's how it affects me. Okay. That, that I really, yeah. that it's key because like, I, I'll give an example. So when I first went into therapy about eight, nine years ago, um, this was before um, I, ever tried a drug. I mean, I tried pot like five times. I ended up in the ER twice with, uh, with, um, panic attacks. So I, I was raised Jehovah's witness. So when I was like 33, I was pretty, I had left the church, but I was very much like drugs are addictive, drugs are dangerous, etc. So, um, the reason I bring that up is when I first then started even exploring psychedelics, I was so cautious and the type of therapist that I found was like a traditional Freudian analyst, meaning like that's the type of therapist where like I was on the couch, the person was sitting yeah. behind me. It was like ultimately <clears throat> boundary, meaning like I didn't have to deal with seeing his rea- facial reaction and all this. Other. Anyway, we can right. an interesting technique. But the reason I bring that up is because that was ultimate like I don't want to feel like. And I practiced like that for a little bit. And I realized for me where I was at that time, it was helpful because if if my junk gets mixed in with their junk, that's when you have a problem. Because if, if I'm not, yeah. clean, I, I, I think I know what's best for them. Or if I have animosity towards my patient or I find them attractive, all this can screw up what I'm trying to do with them. Right. And a lot of therapists struggle with this in different ways, except as I've dealt with more and more of my junk, it's like, I feel like it's more of a, it's a joint experience where I am like, me being able to feel and really feel at depth what where they are things that they've kept secret all their life or things they felt ashamed about all their life or things that you know have felt so like oh if i share this i'll be unlovable no one will like me that's when i want it to affect me because i want to be able to like get in there with them and bear like i I use the word bear it like they i can bear their pain with them yeah when you can do that, that is when the magic happens. That's when you get these catharsis. People are not feeling alone with this anymore and they can move past it. And you don't really need the psychedelic for that, right? Like that's the thing is it's yeah. more with time as I've advanced myself in my own 
journey, I've used psychedelics with people less and less. I've used them less myself. And I've had more transformation in the room with just sober people who are getting over things that they're like, I've been struggling for this for like 10 or 20 years. And it's just like drops like that, because it's really this, how can you become as like un, un, unfiltered meaning and like a not programmed like by society, right. unfiltered way and just be human with someone else. And, and that is, is the magic. And the thing is the, when we're talking about ayahuasca retreats that are just created by some people entrepreneurs that are not centered in themselves like you can only take someone down the path as far as you've gone right and so Mm. it's like that is where um you know that's what it's going to take time for society to real uh, to, to work with and realize eventually and i think there's no way of rushing that you know what i mean and um yeah, it's just that's that's going to be the unfolding that is that yeah. that happens over the next. I don't know. It's interesting. Rick, I think on a podcast last week was like, he's like, I hope by twenty fifty society has learned how to use these. And I loved hearing that. Yeah, even from yes. the man who brought it to where it is right now, he's acknowledging it's not there, and it's yeah. going to be a while. So it's be a while. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, and maybe uh, by twenty one hundred, no one will even need it anymore. Because I, you know, what I hear you saying that. It keeps it's been coming up recently in Mike and I's conversations and podcasts. It's this uh the connection is like the highest thing. So yeah. once you get you wanna be connected to your patients, and when you have that connection, then the magic caps because the magic is in the connection. So maybe the psychedelics is just one of many tools that yes. help us be less afraid to connect. And be honest and confess and blah, 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 you know? Right. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. They're they're just a tool. I like I have this saying where I say psychedelics are neither sufficient nor necessary for healing. But yeah. combined with this connection in therapy, it's the most powerful tool we have. But again, going back to the business folks, or again, that, that example I was giving, you could give all the psychedelics you want in that situation, and you're not going to be yeah. able to find the authentic connection. Right. It's so crazy because, you know, the way I look at psychedelics and the way I went into it the first time, which I'm now looking back, even at 17 years old, you know, someone had given me a journey, a book, Journey to Ixlan. You oh, know, I'm so reading that. that. Look at on my desk right now. Wow. <laughs> I, had, I had just, that's wow. great. <laughs> no right when I was, took my first trip. So that was the intention going into it. Like <laughs> this, a good book. To, it is such a, everyone's got to read it. Yeah, Sorry for interrupting. It's, no, it taught me to lucid dream. It taught me to do all these things oh, and, uh, and it changed my life. And now I play with the grateful time. I mean, it was, but it's all about the intention because the, the cool, the irony to me is that the coolest thing about psychedelics is that it can take all this brainwashing and program yeah. And just get an eraser on the chalkboard or just scribble over our, all of it or throw paint at all of it. Yeah. yeah. But on the other side of the coin, it could do this exact opposite, just like amplify your brainwashing. Yeah. Or whatever, you know. I mean, I don't yeah. want to paint it all bad because capitalism doesn't have to be bad. <laughs> it just, this, you know, I guess it's all about your intention, I oh, guess, you know. Well, and like what you said about the connection is the biggest thing. It's so funny that you mentioned, Will, what you did about the way that when you're able to connect with your patient 
we'll call it at that point, how important that is. On the other side of that coin, there's nothing worse than not getting that connection when you're asking for help. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that like, I have a friend who I was just talking to where he works in entertainment. He, it took him a long time to finally take the leap of faith and call a therapist admits to the therapist. He works in entertainment. Now all the guy wants to do is talk about entertainment. So now his focus is more on like him as a, like, Hey, you're in the business and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, can I trust you? Like I'm spilling my, you know, and, and so there's no connection, but also now there's a lack of trust in the process. Yeah. And this is the part where it's like a a therapist. It's real. That onus is really on the therapist to like, cause we have what I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's this window that we have with people with whether or not it's in therapy that in order to evolve, help someone evolve or evolve together, we have to have enough commonality and enough difference. Because if we only have everything in common, we're just preaching to the choir. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. It's only different. It's like front lines, BLM with police officers. We're just like- and so if you get this sweet spot where there's enough of both, yeah. that there's opportunity for understanding and evolution. And um, I, was, yeah. I lost my train of thought a little bit here. <laughs> we no, I was just thinking, boy, what a great thing for our society oh. because we really do have we do all have that in common, you know? And so the thing is, so yeah, we were talking about this person who, again, issues with boundaries, like people get excited. Oh my God. Like it's this person. And and honestly, I'll say that, you know, I've been since last year, I was on this Netflix show, um, the Goop Lab, which is Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, company. And, and I moved to LA. And so I'm getting a lot, I've gotten a lot more public figures that, that I see as my clients. And some of them were like, childhood literally I was like oh my god these people are, and I what what's really important is I have kept a my own psychotherapy and I have my own therapist and b I have two two psychotherapy teachers meaning senior teachers mm. I go in every week you know especially when this was happening saying like okay so and so is coming up I'm having the fantasy of this like I you know one of the people is going on tour like literally and I'm like a childhood like again person I somebody used to follow and I'm like the person might ask me to, to like, if I want a ticket and have, and if, if people yeah. see themselves, you will get wrapped into that. You know what I yeah. mean? Luckily I've had really good teachers who like, like have, have guided me through this because if not, that's when my shit, as I was saying earlier, my junk gets mixed in with their junk. Yeah. Right. This goes south Or Another thing also with some of these clients that I work with, again, they're used to like, bending the world at, at their request, meaning, oh, oh we're going to cancel last minute. We're gonna, and I, I have very hard boundaries. This is the way we're rolling. If we're not rolling that way, we're not this because I have to maintain my boundary to be able to work. And so those, these nuances and subtleties are things that take time. Like, like there's no way a, a therapist or a healer has like works with these until you've really gone through it and sought the teaching, you know? And mm. so I think it's important that therapists realize where their boundaries are. And then if they can't handle, handle uh, someone that they say, no, right. This is where there's issues with like sexual abuse during um, Mm. psychedelic uh, ceremonies, et cetera. Like why would a healer ever be like, Oh my, like, you know, a female is feeling, you know, lots of uh, respect and attraction to the therapist. And all of a sudden the therapist like, yeah, I'm really hot shit. Aren't I? No, like it's like, (laughs) It's, there's a lot of harm that can be done 
in this space. And as you said, Mike, for some people, it takes a lot of effort to even say, I need help. I'm going to go out and reach out. And if we have our boundaries like violated in any of the ways we were talking about, it's a big, you know, it's, you know, at worst, you, you inflict damage. That wasn't yeah. even... Well, and, and especially most people that are going to reach out to a therapist and have some type of a level of trust is coming in with some traumatic thing that led them to where they're coming, you know, whether, and a lot of it may be abandonment or mistrust or whatever. And then you go, well, this just reinforces all the shit that I went through totally. in the first place. Uh, it's my fault. I don't need help, you know, and it, it, it's tough. And I actually, I was telling my buddy, I'm like, don't give up. I'm like, please don't let one dumb yeah. dumb ruin it for you you know i tell people like finding a good therapist or healer or psychedelic healer to work with it's kind of like dating where you have to find the right connection but so <laughs> don't don't say yes right away you know what i mean you've got if, yeah. if it, yeah. i just say no especially with psychedelics because like you're putting yourself in this position of like yeah vulnerability with a, a substance a substance that's illegal which is a bigger deal because if something goes south do you especially say if it's a woman and male dynamic you go to the police and be like, I took this illegal substance with this person. They it's like, it, there's so many caveats around it that, yeah. you know, there is this like urgency and there's a rush right now of wanting to use these for healing. Um, but it's, it's sad because the, the safe places that are done in integrity are definitely lacking compared to again, what, what the demand for it right now. So it is, it's a, it's a, it's a, a bit of a frustrating time right now, I think as a, as someone seeking this. And pandemics very... created more yeah. demand. I mean, everybody's when you get shut up with your by yourself for a year, you go, "Oh, I'm a lot crazier than I thought." I got some big shit I mean, to work on. That's extremely. I think that's extremely important and extremely honest, though. What you just said, Will. I mean, really, because it's like, yeah, make sure. How does one make sure? that the person that they may embark on an experience like this is legitimate. There's no Yelp reviews or whatever of, yeah. you know, uh, an MDMA therapist or whatever it may be. Like, how do you actually, it, it's a hard thing. So for someone yeah. seeking that, what do you even do? I, I actually, it, this, I've been asked this, as you can imagine, a lot. So I'll, I'll, I'll give my short answer, which I, I thought about recently. So I'm kind of fun, I'm excited to start sharing. <laughs> But then I'll give you a, like a longer answer. So, so the advice I've been giving people is feel into it. If, yeah. if you think that this person can help you without taking a psychedelic, meaning if you, if you get the vibe, mm. this person can help me if I just met them every week for six months, that's mm. a great sign. If you think no, then what are the chances that they can actually help you with the psychedelic? And the thing is, that's probably going to cross out the vast majority of people. And, and the thing is, and, and that's okay. Or yeah. you know, if, but you know, again, but I, I just have like a lot of, I, don't know, my, my, I have very high standards. I have like less than 10 people that I have full trust in, in this country to, to do this, <laughs> like, like, like that I would send my mother to Yeah. That's the way, but this is my jam, you know, but in, in, cause obviously that, if that's not the case, then it would be stuff like, okay, if you're a woman and you're seeing a male person, is it okay? Like, would they be okay with you? you know, bringing a friend that stays in a different room. Um, I would ask people also, okay, so what, what is something that's not gone well for you in the past with psychedelic therapy and how have you dealt with it? If someone is like, I've never had anything difficult happen. That's probably someone who's full of shit 
or is too afraid to share it or something. Because even I have a lot of experience, I can tell you a bunch of things that I could have done better. So I think ask, being comfortable asking, what have you run into trouble? What kind, kind of trouble have you ran into? How did you deal with it? I think is, is, is another way to just really probe. And it would all obviously even be like, do I feel comfortable? Does the person make me feel comfortable to even ask these questions, you know, or, or are they making space to hear me and my concerns? So, but ultimately, yeah. again, can the person help me without taking anything? Yes or no, it would be kind of a, a place to start. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at SmartWool. For more than 25 years, SmartWool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They are here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. What's up, everyone? I'm Mike. And I'm O'Teal. And these are our Sunset Lake CBD gummies that are almost gone. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned business that ships CBD products directly from their farm to your door. For years, Sunset Lake was a Vermont dairy farm producing milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. In 2018, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. And with a product for everyone, they offer pre-rolls, hemp cigars, and hemp flowers, as well as tinctures, gummies, and CBD-crafted coffee to help with stress, aches, and pains. Sunset Lake CBD saves you money by shipping high-quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. Want to know what I've been using a lot of, O'Teal? This salve with the arnica uh, yeah. on, my, on my old bones. You get back from a show and you got tore ankle, rub a little bit of this on there. You're ready to dance the next day. And you know, S- Sunset Lake uh, comes a time listeners can visit sunsetlakecbd.com and use promo code TIME for 20% off of their purchase. That's sunsetlakecbd.com, promo code TIME. And tell them we sent you. Thanks for listening. You know, what's very interesting. And I've been thinking about this with psychedelics lately is that like, I think my preferred way of taking psychedelics right now is alone. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a weird thing. I mean, you think about that in the past, I would be like, no way in hell would I want to do it by myself. But now I think that's like alone in nature is probably kind of where I want to be. Yeah, I, I think that there, I mean, so I, you know, when I started this journey again, I was a ex Jehovah's witness very conservative doctor at Harvard. I did not have long hair, no piercings, no jewelry back then. So all of my friends, I didn't have any friends in the psychedelic world. So like I, 90% of my psychedelic experiences, if not more, have been alone. And and it was because Mm. I didn't have anyone. I think it was also sort of my journey into becoming a healer and, you know, losing my mind many, many, many times and coming back. But meaning I, I think, you know, it's, 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 it's an okay way to explore your own consciousness. Try to set things up as best as possible. Like I have my playlist that will last in theory the whole time. You know, I always have a buddy or two that I'm like, okay, Hey, I'm going to do this by myself. Can you stay on call just in case? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think it's a bad way to, to do it. You know, I think it's just, um, yeah, I, I, it can be a very beautiful and transformative way to do psychedelics. 
What is your origin story with psychedelics coming from such a completely straight, like uber straight back? It's like Harvard's like the East Coast Palo Alto, it seems. Does it kind of I'm happy to share. Mike's already heard this. So I hope he doesn't get too bored. But no, uh, please. I love it, man. I'm I'm just happy to have you on. It's great to see your face. Yeah. So I so I'm a I'm an I have a both a medical degree and a PhD. So I I like I loved school at one point. I thought academic achievement was gonna be what made me happy. So I went to got a bachelor's yeah. degree. I went to medical school at UCLA. Then I got my PhD at Oxford in England. Then I went to to Harvard to get my psychiatry degree. So literally, it was like 13 years of straight school to get to Harvard. <laughs> and um, and I had had one other like, and, and so anyway, I had finished my first year at Harvard and I, it was a miserable year. I mean, intern year of a doctor is really tough. It's like 80, 90 hours. You're like doing all the scut work and, you know, sleepless nights and you know, staying in the hospital. But it's it was like this, you know, probably like many fields where it's like you 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 pay your dues in your early years. But that's supposed to be like, okay, and then we're done. And I finished and I was like, okay, like many times I had tricked myself in my life. And like when I was in med school, I'm like, oh, as long as I just finish med school, I'll be happy. And then I start med school and then I'm not happy. And then my mind starts saying, oh no, no, so you didn't have it all, all the information. You've just got to get this PhD. And I was like, okay work, work, work for a few years, get the PhD, happy for like a week. And then I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm still unsettled. I'm not happy. Well, I've got to get into this residency program at Harvard. Basically, what I'm painting is like I had, paint, I, I had in my mind put all these external hoops in front of me saying, this is what will make me happy. This will, will make, make me happy. And I finally got to the most major hoop of my lifetime there. Also, this was impacted because my father died around 10 years earlier. But I got there and I'm like, I'm miserable again. And I, and I, it was a big choice point where I was finally like, do I admit to myself that I'm really miserable or do I put another hoop in front of myself? Initially, I put another hoop in front of myself. I actually said, oh, I'm going to become a medical consultant. I'm going to drop out and get an MBA. I literally like, like wow. down this path. But then I, it, it, was, it became so obvious to me as I was in therapy. I'm like, you've been doing this your entire adult life. And so it was a hard pill to swallow, but I was literally like, either I need to like really focus on what the hell's wrong with me and why am I doing this? Or I can keep down this path of people who, again, just, just delay gratification and, and aren't really there. And so it was really, there was this choice point because I talked to my colleagues and professors about it and they were all just, it's going to get better and you just keep, and I was like, Oh, I, uh, after doing DMT was my first psychedelic and my first hundred psychedelics. By then I had tried DMT and I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm looking into some like fun house matrix. I'm like, this is, I'm like, and I remember so what brought you, how did, what made you try DMT? Like such a, that's a, that's going <laughs> in the deep end, dude, right off the bat. No, okay. So I'll finish the story real quick and I'll go. Ahead and- <laughs> but I remember there was literally a choice point where I am like, I can either keep living either either they're right mm. i'm wrong or all of them are wrong and i'm right and that was the first mm. time in my adult life where i'm like i believe myself and it just yeah. i mean yeah. i rocked the boat there because people were like you're gonna fuck up like you know you're being you know your classmates are gonna have to work harder if you drop out blah 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 but i was like no i've seen into like this 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 virtual reality game that I'm in and I'm not playing anymore. 
Anyway, but so back to your question about DMT. So as I was initially pondering dropping out before I tried a psychedelic, um, it's interesting because I, again, was so involved in school and academia and achievement. My, my childhood best friend from when I was nine was the opposite. He was living in California. He was in a band after high school, like partied um, and just worked. He labored with his father, who was like a window installer. So like that was his life until the 0809 financial crisis. And so that financial crisis made him decide to go back to school. So as, as I'm going Mm. this at 33, he's in his first year of college. Wow. So he, he was dating his physics tutor. And what happened was that she ended up introducing him to DMT. (laughs) So So then like we get on our, you know, twice monthly calls and he's like, Oh, have you heard of DMT and psych? I'm like, no, dude, these are dangerous. And he's telling me about Terrence McKenna videos. I'm like, no. <laughs> That's the deepest. I'm like, something's wrong with him. I've got to call his mom. Like, what's happening? <laughs> and then finally, one day, he's like, but they used to do research on this in the 60s and 70s, and they found it worked. And to prove him wrong, I went to like PubMed, our medical search engine. Mm. All of these old papers popped up, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. and it that day also changed my life because I was like, "Wait, was were we being lied to?" You know, it was the first time I knew about the war on drugs and Nixon, and and so it was, it was shedding all this stuff from EA being forty now. So I lived through the Reagan Dare program and all the stuff in the eighties. I also um, again, and I was Jehovah's Witness. So it was like letting go of all of these old stories and trusting myself. And so the reason we, I picked DMT, well, A, he had tried it first, but in some crazy way, I didn't know really what everyone was like, oh yeah, like you lose a sense of time and you like leave your body. But in my like scared head, I said, well, okay, well, this thing only lasts five minutes. Like I'm terrified to try it. So I may as well try this, not LSD because that lasts 12 hours. Little did I know that you like completely lose time. So like, <laughs> But it was the perfect intro for me because like, I think if I had anything else that was more like subtle, I probably would have tried it once and may have been too scared to do it again. But DMT mm. was so profound to me that it, literally the thoughts that I came out with was like, it was waiting for me. I've been there before and it was more real than real. Those are the three phases. that. Wow. And I was like, there is no doubt in my fucking, you know what I mean? It was not just yeah. like, chemicals i'm like i have seen into the depths of the universe and i'm ready to rock so like that has been my last like nine years has been just like crawling out of this hole seeing the world more and more beautifully and trying to help other people do it too (laughs) it's funny to me because like i i was not raised religious at all and had for lack of a better term a religious experience when i was like 40 which turn me around and it's just like um although i'm not a church goer i love reading the stories but when you when you read the stories and stuff it's like why would the people that believe this have a hard time with psychedelics this is like the real deal like you know but some of them have had psychedelic experiences like we talked about with stanley krippner like a, a dream is a psychedelic experience so we all have them you know, it, it, my kid being born was really a strong psychedelic. I was watching it, you know. So it's just ironic to me, you know. But, but it's cool seeing, like, 
you come from the other end, like coming out of the religion and then all the crap that they built around it, which humans just do with whatever. And then being like, oh, now I have no more doubt. <laughs> you know, in some ways, like I'm actually in some ways now grateful for my upbringing because I there's some I believed so strongly as a kid that I think I never dropped that belief in God. Like the parts that yeah. hurt, like, you know, you're evil or you'll go to hell for sex or that. That's the part of me that like now I've dropped or I'm dropping some of it. I still carry with me, but mm. the fundamentals of almost any religion for me, especially Islam, the Kabbalah and like the, the depths of Christianity are all beautiful and they actually don't yeah. agree with psychedelics. It's, it's the human interpretation and limitation of it that, that is like, I don't know, one of the things I remember about like the Jehovah's Witnesses, it was, they were such, so good at delaying gratification, which was what I kept doing in these cycles of. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh-huh. like, you will reach the kingdom of God. The last shall be the first. That always stood out to me in, in uh, yeah. church. It's like, oh, if I suffer now, I will have later. And I got so good at suffering now. But I'm, then I realized that later never fucking comes. Yeah, I'm, now never now. went away. <laughs> that's what I think is the beauty of, of, of the, you know, of, you know, doing our personal work with and without psychedelics. It's like, then this is the miracle every single day. You know, it's like doing yeah, this podcast. Yeah. How freaking cool. Like, you know, you're like, this is it. And so... Yeah. Yeah, I think that psychedelics kind of bring it back to nature because, you know, I, the problems that I see with religion, it's like why uh, the twelve step program is so successful because they forbade any hierarchy. So it's a bureaucracy that we build, a structure that we build to like imprison the religion, you know. So then now it gets out of balance. Like we're always supposed to suffer until we die and but nature tells you no there's like a period of suffering and dying actual dying and then in spring again comes the resurrection like you don't delay it your whole life you let yourself go through these cycles that they're natural you know so frustrating (laughs) seems too that like and this is something i wanted to ask you will about from the from the psychotherapist standpoint or from just mental health at all you know, we hear a lot about, let's say, MDMA for PTSD or this and that for PTSD. PTSD being this kind of like very broad. I feel like if you've been alive <laughs> for a certain amount of years or in a certain period of years, you have PTSD. Are we all suffering from PTSD right now? I wouldn't call it PTSD. I, I would say we are all suffering from the, I'm going to say this very carefully. We are all suffering from our coping strategies from that, that, that result from not feeling connected, deeply connected. And because to me, the, it's the, you know, I hate the word addiction. I, I, it's such a dirty word. It's mm. such, a, such a guilt and, and, and shaming term to call, to, to refer to people that, you know, the, when I simplified my, you know, healing has only become simpler and simpler to me. For me, it's like, if we feel disconnected, we don't feel good. And because one person, because of their genetics and then their upbringing, may then use alcohol to soothe that feeling mm-hmm. of disconnection. Another person may use sex to soothe and forget about the pain. Another person may 
lock themselves in their room, in their apartment, don't interact. We call that depression. Another person may become hyper-organized to use their, you know, to, to just make everything just right. It uses that energy to try to, to soothe in the meantime so I don't have to think about all this stuff. So I, the more and more I've worked on people, myself, I realized it's, we don't have, like these diagnoses psychiatrists created, they're not real. They're the yeah, you know, OCD. Not like OCD and alcoholism. Oh, that's a gene that causes that. No, it doesn't. It's it's just the cluster of coping strategies that people use or ways to soothe themselves. That you there are common ways, but what we're seeing is that's why all of a sudden, right? And, and actually, before I say that, you know, there there has been for a long, long time, and still is in place in academic psychiatry of the serotonin hypothesis of depression, right? Like. That's why we have serotonin SSRIs for depression, because we think, oh, it's low serotonin. Few people know at the scientific level, the serotonin hypothesis has never been shown to be true ever, ever, mm. ever, ever. Wow. And that makes sense. SSRIs don't even work. Like you don't, need, you don't need to be a doctor to know that. They just don't work. Yeah. But all of a sudden, an anxiety has had its own you know, neurotransmitter causes supposedly, so has OCD or addiction. But what happens with psychedelics? You have MDMA for PTSD. You have psych, you know, what are the other big studies? You have psilocybin for end of life anxiety. You have psilocybin for addiction. What I tell people is, what do you think? All of a sudden we got like the neurochemistry, right? Why are we like curing everything? No, it's not. It's because we're helping people deal with their old issues, their old trauma. They feel connected mm. and they feel better. And these other things just go away. So it's really not about like PT. So again, so PTSD is a cluster of coping strategies because of, again, what someone experienced. So that's why I, I, I push back a little bit. No, yeah. not that's PTSD. We all have, we are all suffering for the most part. Rick Doblin's one person. I'm like, I don't know if he has, like, he seems very well adjusted. But but most of us are. He was still- some. Uh, he re- was grew up with a wolf, so yeah. I guess he feels. Safe. Yeah. Just- no, but you know, and the rest of us are are struggling with some form of disconnection. Yeah. So that, that's well, yes, I love that <laughs> disconnection is, and 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 in fact, that feels more hopeful, because you find that people who love crutches go, you know, oh, I'm OCD or I'm ADD or I'm this or I'm that, and it's almost like they wear it as kind of like a fun badge or whatever and it's like instead of working on yourself you go oh i'm just depressed or i'm anxious where i like that that it's like something's you know if you're vacuuming and you go too far and the vacuum gets unplugged from the wall you go back and find all right well the connection came apart and that's where you go plug it back in and then everything turns back on the thing i was trying to explain to someone that sometimes nothing is everything when it comes to overcoming anxiety like if i when i go nothing matters. That doesn't mean that I'm like, nothing in the world matters. I should just die. What I mean is nothing matters. Isn't that amazing that nothing matters? Like, because when your heart, everything fucking matters when you are disconnected. So it's like when you're able to kind of go like, okay, yeah, that doesn't matter. That's not, that world's not going to end if I don't do this, this, and that. Yeah. And then you kind of reconnect with, I I love that. I like that, that, that way of looking at it. And to circle back a little bit to what we started with, right? It is about the connection, but who else doesn't like that? Big Pharma is not going to like that. Yeah, totally. And though the wellness industry is not going to like that. The wellness has now become its own massive form of, 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 
of pharma that looks totally, the wellness community doesn't want us to just heal with connection. Not good for business. No. The thing that it's not good for is a developing <coughs> medical pharmaceutical industry. It's not good for them either, right? And that's the thing where like, and I don't, know, I don't know how much time or how often you guys tend to go to LA. I live here in Venice Beach. So I've gone to MedMen and that one, like one of the major weed spots. And I'm like, it terrifies me. Every time I walk next to it, I'm like, I hope this doesn't happen to psychedelics. But already some yeah. places are selling like little cute jelly packs of like gummies for psilocybin. And I'm like, again, all these industries, it's not good for business if people figure out that it's the connection that really matters. And so- it's funny wow. they're just scared to they're too scared to to find a new business <laughs> or even, I'm actually gonna throw even more nuance on this because in the last year and a half you guys have probably noticed i definitely have kept my eye everybody is a psychedelic guide or coach on instagram now everyone's like oh i'm gonna help and i'm like what and again that is an industry right so 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 for mm -hmm. the people putting out the messages are saying oh psychedelics you need them it's like that that's problematic in and of itself too. You know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. like, I, I don't know how it's going to unfold um, in terms of, but yeah. We struggle with that, you know, or I have, I'm sure me and Mike have talked about it together. Um, where I don't want to be like the psychedelic podcast where Royce, because some, you know, it's, it's, you're messing with your brain chemistry, you know? Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, I feel like after 50 some years of, you know, brainwashing and propaganda and stuff, you know, I guess you just got to. Well, I mean, look, e-cigs aren't made for you to not need them, right? Like, yeah, they may get you off cigarettes, but you can smoke the thing inside of cars. You could smoke in a restaurant. You can, you can like rip these things down. They make it so you get addicted to that too. You know what I mean? Like no one's making a thing and going like, well, I only, you're only going to need this for three weeks. So, you know, like even people like Chantix, like was people were starting to get like hooked on taking that because you'd have side effects coming up, whatever. We don't, this is important to talk about because it's like, and I, that's what I tried to say to Rick when we were on the, on, when he came on was that like when microdosing or when these words are just being like tossed around by every, you know, mom and every, yoga teacher and every this and that that like does it become almost too commonplace and then it's like you know it's a fad or a trend right yeah but it be, it's not taken and that's what i almost meant by sacred where it's like it's not taking yeah. it's taken seriously it's just too easy to just be kind of like you know it's just the like americanized well, the americanized it's, it's, it's the of vape of the of the psyche or whatever you know but the other thing is you know if you know for most of us right it's it's like we so there are reasons that led us to feel disconnected as children. But then we have taken on versions of those same forms of disconnection that we most markedly see in our relationships with our partner, right? And our partner brings in their struggles of their communication of openness and love that they struggled with with their parents, right? Um, the thing, the other thing is, is that we must stay on top of it to say, what am I, and this is what I think of as psychedelic integration. It's another buzzword that I despise now at this point, because I've never heard a single definition that I think is a good one. <laughs> my version of integration, the way I work with my patients and myself is we identify what are the things that I am doing in my personal life, in work, family, friends, or romance that are feeling disconnected. What, and what is my role? in those things. And we, this, we cover this in detail 
before we even think about a psychedelic. And then we try the psychedelics and then we unravel that in integration is then saying, I am now going to make different choices, say things differently, act differently towards those people. And that is going to change my connection, hopefully with the most intimate people in my life. That's integration to me. It's not like, oh, like I'm going to go journal or go do yoga, like kind of helpful, but not really like, like integration should be, how am I, how am I being different in my life? in a way that is more connected to my heart and is not being defensive. I'm being more vulnerable. And how am I open to other people? That is like my, anyway, mm-hmm. I like that this is on the way I think of integration. Hey, you're ready I to do the that. work. It's actually doing the work yes. and that's yeah. the, and, it, and it's, and that's hard work and it's unlearning a lot of stuff and that's hard, but that's it important. Is. I like that. But then that, that, yeah. there, there's no way around that. There's literally no way around mm-hmm. doing it. You know what I mean? Because it, it actually then becomes much easier. Oh, I'm just going to microdose every three days. Oh, honey, I feel good on the, oh, shoot, we still got in a terrible argument. Microdosing all your life is not going to change it. You've, it's not going to make us do those things differently in our, in our interpersonal interactions. So, so psychedelics can show us what we're doing. Yeah. can make it apparent that we are falling into patterns of the past. But the, the free will and the choice to actually make the different decisions, especially when we feel triggered and upset, is where the money is. So start to finish, let's say, when you're working with someone from pre, you know, like you said, that even the thought of psych- doing a psychedelic isn't even in the picture yet. Like your journey with a patient, let's say start to finish, and it may go on forever with talk therapy, but from beginning to integration about how long of a time are you spending with folks? Would you say it's a couple weeks, a couple months No, no, no. different it's, for everyone? Hard, it's a hard thing to say, but honestly, no, no, people don't, they don't stay forever with me. I, I don't think I would be doing a good job if people stay. Oh, I mean, no, I, like, I, I think I, I think like even just without psychedelics, I have, you know, I think if, if someone sticks with me, even like six or eight sessions, which is maybe I mean, most people that, that come to me at this point, you know, work with me for some time, but it's like a lot of people come to me because of psychedelics. There's no doubt. In first emails, in our first chats, they came to me because they heard about me through psychedelics. Interestingly, I would say only 10% or less ever end up doing one, either in my office or with anyone, meaning they intend to. But then this work that I'm sort of show, I'm kind of giving you a window yeah. into how I work. Yeah. Then making these changes. And they're like, I just feel bad. I don't even need to do that anymore. They start seeing how like, yeah, that's awesome. He is really changing how we engage. And then, then they're like, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need the psychedelic or some people do. And then they, they, you know, they can move along even quicker, but um, yeah. So I would say it just, it takes long enough to just, yeah, depending how um, yeah, in their personal life circumstances, how, how, how much. That they- was for me when I was a teenager, like I said, we went into with this intention you know, after reading Journey to Ixlan and it wasn't a party thing. And I remember the trip that I had and I was like, I don't need to do this anymore. Like now we're just doing it for fun. Like I discovered what I needed to discover. I found what I needed, what I was looking for. And now I just need to go do it. And then I just went out into the world and uh, I ended up here with you. So I guess I was right. <laughs> or maybe the psychedelics were right. <laughs> so Carlos Castaneda, who is the author of uh, the teachings of Don Juan series. And Don Juan is like the, 
I don't know, we probably don't have enough time to get into it here, but it's worth looking into. And interestingly, it's one of those like foundational, I would call it one of the classics to get into psychedelics. Almost nobody has read them. Like the the person who recommended it to me was actually Rick, Rick Doblin. And like, I share it with so many people and people like, who's Carlos Castaneda? Who's Don Juan? It is one of the most mind blowing, if not the most mind blowing set of books I have ever read. So like, really definitely check it out. They are powerful. I I, am so fortunate. I guess I'm realizing it even more now, how fortunate I was to have been turned onto that book at that exact time. Everyone mentions the teachings of Don Juan, which is the first one. You're the only person that has ever even mouth the, the name of that book that's why i'm kind of in shock <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's just god at work because you know i mean i was 17 i didn't i had never heard of i didn't know have the slightest idea what ayahuasca was i had never heard the word i didn't know about i didn't know anything about lsd or mushrooms or any of it so i'm very grateful that uh it happened well it's always so awesome to see you and uh i'm excited to hear that you're coming back to the east coast and uh Let's non-psychedelically hang out. You know what I really like about this man is that like this, this is important to talk, have this talk because we have had quite a few psychedelic. We tend to get into like a rhythm with the podcast where it's like we get like a, a high tide of topic, the same topic coming in. And UFOs. <laughs> we had UF, yeah, we had UFO month. <laughs> We've been on psychedelic the trip here. But it's important to talk about how it's like, yeah, this isn't a cure-all. Every, you know, microdosing and going and doing everything maybe not isn't the greatest idea and whatever and just keep a it, it's about other things and it's not a, a you know, a stopgap for all of life's problems. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. And I appreciate your honesty and I and, and the fact that you, you know, care so much. Yeah. yeah. yeah thank you. Thank you. It's always, it's always good to, to be on. And yeah, I mean, that's the only way I know how to do it. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bless well, you, man. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah. And tell everybody where they could find you if you'd like for them to find you or if you don't want to be found. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a little. Yeah. I mean, I'm on Instagram, just Will CUMD. And then, I mean, there's my clinical website, but I'm that's going to get a whole revamp in the next few months. But that's just for like patient work. And I'm not I'm not unfortunately not taking new new clients at this time. So, yeah, it's just Instagram at this time. Awesome. Thank you, Will. Be safe. And uh, thank you for all the hard work. And we'll talk soon. Yeah. All right. Peace. Peace, man. Osiris. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.